Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. You know, it's been said, it has been said, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach which I would say amen to that. (laughs) What Jesus is talking to us about here this morning, he's saying the way to a man's heart is not his stomach, but his ears. What do you mean, Rodney? Matthew chapter 13, look at it with me. Fast forward, if you will, to verse 9. And read verse 9 with me. In verse 9, in 13, Matthew 13, it says what? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In the Greek language, it says this. He who understands it, understand it. Doesn't that sound like the Spirit of God in the book of Revelation? When he said, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Here, Jesus says the same thing that the Spirit says. If you have an ear to hear, let him hear. If you understand it, understand what he's going to say. And so I'm going to ask you to turn on not your physical ears, but to turn on the ears of your heart so that you can hear what Jesus has to say in this series of studies that we're going to be going through over the next several weeks. We're going to title them the Kingdom Parables. The kingdom parables over the next several Sundays will be here in Matthew chapter 13 and we'll be talking about the kingdom parables. Now, if you're taking notes here in chapter 13 in verses 1 through 23, let me give you an outline. You know I encourage you to take notes. It's so important that you take notes. Here's an outline that we're going to talk about this morning. This text that we're going to look at is known as the parable of the seed and the sower. And the first point we're going to look at this morning is the introduction to the parable in verses 3 through 9. The introduction to the parable in verses 3 through 9. And then we're going to take a look at verses 10 through 17. We have the purpose of the parable. Not only the introduction of the parable, but the purpose of the parable in verses 10 through 17. And then in verses 18 through 23, actually, we have the explanation of the parable. So we have the introduction of the parable. We'll take a look at the purpose of the parables. And then lastly, the explanation of the parables. That's what we're going to talk about. Matthew chapter 13, saints beginning in verse one. If you're there, say amen. Amen. And on the same day, ah, take your pen and circle that. The same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the sea and great multitudes Lots of people were gathered together to him. So that he got in the boat and he sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. 
And then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some fell, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. And some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has an ear to hear, or he who understands it, understand this parable. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Notice in verse 1, in your Bibles, Jesus says, on the same day, the scripture says, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the sea. This is the same day, if you were with us last week, this is the same day that Jesus' mother and brothers came to speak with him. It's the same day that a man who was sick and needy people, they followed him and he healed them all. It's on the same day that he healed a man and they said, could this be the son of David, the Messiah? The same day. On the same eventful day, Jesus went out of the house where they had been teaching, where he had been teaching, and he walked down to the seashore. This would be the Sea of Galilee. Ah, it's beautiful. It's amazing. You've been there? You should go. The Sea of Galilee is gorgeous. It's like a sea of glass. In the daytime, it's a sea of glass. We were there this past year, you know, and we went out on the boat. And we sat out there and we had a Bible study. We actually had two boats because a lot of people. And we had, two, we had a Bible study out there. And it was just wonderful. Beautiful. So Jesus gets out of the house. I'm painting the picture here. Jesus gets up. He goes out of the house. He goes down to the Sea of Galilee. He gets into a boat. And he pushes just a little way offshore. Now, if you've been on water, and it's pretty still waters, you know that your voice travels quite far. So what Jesus did was he got into this boat and he made the boat a pulpit. And from his pulpit, Jesus sat down and the people, there were thousands of people because Jesus loved people and people loved Jesus. And thousands of people gathered around him. And the Bible says that he sat down in the boat and the people stood up. As was the Jewish custom of that day, when a teacher taught, the teacher would sit down and the people would stand up, which I like that model. I don't know why things change. It's sad. And so Jesus sat down and he begins to speak in parables. Point number one, the introduction to the parable. Someone once said of Jesus... They said Jesus was a storytelling man. And that's so true. Jesus was a master communicator. He was a storytelling man. And Jesus began to speak to them in the method of teaching that was the hot method of teaching of the day. That would be parables. What's a parable? The word parable, if you're taking notes, comes from two Greek words, parabole. 
Para, P-A-R-A, means to come alongside. You remember the paraclete, the comforter, the Holy Spirit who comes alongside of us and convicts us of sin? Same Greek word, para, P-A-R-A, which means to come alongside. And then bole literally means to throw or to place. And so the word parable A definition for the word parable is a story or illustration thrown alongside a biblical truth or principle in order to give understanding and meaning to the listener. A story or illustration thrown alongside a biblical truth in order to give understanding and meaning to the listener. I like to call a parable simply this, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning? Yeah, that's the definition of a parable. Now, listen, here's three key elements that you've got to understand. If you seek to understand, if you've got ears to hear, you've got to understand these three key elements that are important in this parable. Notice in your Bibles again, three key elements. Number one, the seed. Number two, the sower. And last but certainly not least, the soil. Notice the seed, the sower, And the soil. Now, Bible, Scripture, interprets Scripture. You do not need to go outside of the Bible in order to interpret the Bible. You need to know the Scriptures in order to interpret the Scriptures. And so, in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, it tells us that the seed, number one, is the Word of God. We know from the Bible, we don't have to speculate and conjure up anything. We know Jesus clearly tells us the seed is the word of God. God's word is like seed. And like seed, God's word gives life. That's why it's like seed. You see, not only does it give life, but the Bible even says concerning the word, listen, that God's word is living. Like it, no other book is like the Bible. None. John Grisham, great novelist. I never read his stuff, but apparently bestseller, whatever, New York Times. Harlequin Romance or whatever New York Times bestseller number one book there is on the market. Let me tell you something. It is not like the Bible. Because the Bible is the living word of God. In other words, the words on the pages of this book, they live. How do you know that, Rodney? Because it was written thousands of years ago and it's just as applicable today as it was in the day that it was written. Amen, saints? God's word still applies. So it's the living word of God. Like seed. Take a seed. You can put a seed in your drawer and leave it there for a couple of hundred years. Take that seed out of the drawer, put it in the ground, water it, give it, give it light and give it sun and give it what it needs. And it will bring forth life. Like God's word, living. Not only is God's word living, but God's word is powerful. Did you know that? God's word is powerful. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul the Apostle says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. 
God's word is powerful. And may I just encourage you, if you're a preacher or you're in ministry and you don't believe that God's word is living and God's word is powerful, please don't preach. If you don't believe it, why would you try to communicate something you don't believe? There are a lot of people who do not believe that God's word is God's word. If you don't believe it, don't try to share it. God's word is living. God's word is powerful. You know, I heard a story about this guy who had a little New Testament. And on the spine, it was like a really small Bible. And on the spine, the spine was too small to, to, uh, to write the words, the New Testament. And so because it was too small, he couldn't write the New Testament. He put the initials T-N-T. Isn't that great? In other words, God's word is like TNT. It's dynamite. Makes me think of my man, Jimmy Walker. Good times. Anytime you need a payment. Good times. Anytime you need a friend. They don't make shows like that anymore. What's wrong with the world? They're all sick. Get J.J. Walker back, man. I mean, you know, J.J. used to go, dynamite. And think about that. God's word is, you guessed it, dynamite. TNT. God's word is powerful. And like seed, God's word is fruitful and it will produce fruit in your life and in my life. Think about it like this here. If you went to an orchard and you took an apple from the orchard, do you know that you are going home not just with an apple, but you are going home with a potential orchard? Why? Because of the seed in the apple. If you take the seed out of the apple and put, go take it home, put it in your field, and do what you need to do, you have a potential orchard. And so God's word, the same is true of the word of God. If you plant the word of God in your life, it will produce fruit. And just like fruit in your life, will, in, in the lives of anyone, it will change your life. It will change the way you relate to the world. God's word is powerful and living, and so it will change like fruit. Fruit can change. You can take one apple and make a whole orchard out of it. God's word will bring fruit in your life and around the lives of others. Dads, 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 how important it is to allow the word of God to change you so that it can produce fruit in the lives of other people. How many families have suffered and had hardships and headaches and trials and tribulations because dad failed to allow the word of God to produce fruit in his life. And so his family had to suffer as a result of it. God's word has the power to change the seed. Number one, key element. Number two, the sower. The sower is a key element. Now, the sowers and farmers in those days, just like in the area of the Galilee today, you would see sowers and farmers everywhere. You would see a farmer with a bag of seed over his shoulder and he's broadcasting, literally taking the seed out of the bag and just kind of broadcasting the seed in the field. The sower taking the seed and just throwing it out and wherever the seed lands, that's up to God. 
Well, Matthew, again, scripture interpreting scripture, Matthew 13, 37 tells us that the sower is the son of man. So Jesus Christ came teaching and preaching and sowing the seed of the word of God. And we should be teaching and preaching and sowing seeds in the lives of others. You know, so so often people think the pastor is the sower. Well, Pastor Ryan, that's your job. That's why we pay you. No, you don't. Well, that's the minister's job. No, it isn't. As part of his job, but we are all to take the word of God. When you come to church and you hear the word and you receive the word, you should take the word and sow some seeds. Go to school, go home, go to your neighborhood, sow some seeds, go tell people of this living, powerful word of God. You know, people are in chat rooms now on the Internet. Hey, why not go in a chat room and sow some seeds? Go to school, tell students and friends and sow some seeds. We're to take the word of God and sow seeds. Now, we see here how important the seed is. How important the sower is. But let me tell you something. Let me share something with you. That's not the main focus of this chapter. That's not the main focus of our text. The main focus of our text is not the seed and not the sower, but it's the soil. Look at it again in your Bible. There are four different types of soils that the seed lands on. Notice in verse 4, the seed that fell by the wayside. In those days, people would walk through the field and make a footpath or trail, and dirt would get impacted and hard. So the sower would cast the seed, and some would fall on a beaten path. And then you have in verse 5, some seed fell on stony places. In some places, it was like topsoil. The soil was thin and underneath was like rock. And so the seed sprang up, but because it didn't have any root system, when the sun came up, it withered and died. Notice in verse 7, some seed fell among thorns. The weeds would grow around the seed that was coming up, and it would choke it out and kill it. And then in verse 8, some seed fell on what, saints? Good ground. This is fertile, weed-free soil that will bring forth 160, 30-fold. This ground was good and productive. Now, people have asked me, perhaps they have asked you, why did Jesus speak in parables? Do you know? The disciples asked the same question. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. And the disciples came and they said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them in verse 11, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him will be given and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah chapter six, verse nine and ten is fulfilled, which says hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. 
But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and do not see it and to hear what you hear and do not hear it. Stop right there. Why did Jesus speak in parables? Point number two, the purpose of the parables. There is a twofold purpose in Jesus speaking in parables. Number one, Jesus spoke in parables to reveal. Jesus spoke in parables to reveal, to draw out those who wanted to know the meaning and reveal it to them. Jesus spoke in parables to those who were seriously seeking to understand what he had to say. And those who weren't, he spoke in parables to conceal point number two. They weren't trying to hear what Jesus had to say. They didn't know what he, they didn't care what he wanted to say. They didn't care who he was. They didn't care about the fact that he was the Messiah and he had things to share with them that were going to change their lives. They just wanted to argue. And for those who wanted to argue, Jesus spoke in parables to conceal. It's almost like people who come to you and say, you know, well, can God make a rock so big he can't pick it up? Uh, I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to conceal the answer because that's stupid. <laughs> or did Adam have a navel? It's like, well, who cares? You see, people, when they ask you questions like that, they're not trying to really know about God. They're trying to argue with you. You see, and Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that, and so he spoke in parables to, to reveal and to conceal. You see, they would hear with their ears, but they were not hearing with their hearts. You know, it's like Elvira and I would have times of, let's call it loud fellowship. <laughs> okay. She... No, Johnny, we're not arguing. We're having loud fellowship. Fine, I would have times of loud fellowship. And she would say to me all the time, she goes, you know what? She goes, you're listening, but you're not hearing. And I'd go, I am hearing too much. You see, that's what Jesus is saying here. You see, they rejected Jesus because they they, they didn't want to know. And they couldn't understand because they weren't filled with the Spirit of God. They couldn't receive what he had to say. Yesterday I was here at church about 4 or 5 o'clock and a lady, a sister called, and she was talking to me about some things in the family. And when she was asking me about, um, you know, uh, 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 someone, you know, sharing the gospel with another and they don't, the, the other person doesn't seem to get it. They just don't seem to understand And I began to share with him from 1 Corinthians that says that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. Do you know that if you are not a believer, you cannot understand the things of God? It is impossible for you to understand spiritual things when you're not filled with the teacher, the Holy Spirit, to teach you these things. It's impossible. I don't care how long you go to cemetery. I mean, seminary. I don't care how long you study the Bible. If you don't have the spirit of God, it is impossible for you to understand the things of God because you don't have ears to hear. 
Because the Spirit of God is not living within you to teach you all things. And so Jesus spoke to them in mysteries. In mysteries? Yeah, understand something. Hugely important to understand. Mystery. In the Bible, a mystery in biblical terminology, understand, is something that was hidden in the past but is now uncovered. A mystery in the Bible is something that was hidden in the past, but is now uncovered. Something that wasn't known in the past, but now is made known. Now, I tell you that because there's a whole bunch of folks telling you that they're speaking the mysteries of God. That they're a prophet of God and God has told them some mystery and you guys don't know it. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.